Hey there, and welcome to Marriage Talks, a real, authentic, and relatable podcast about how to thrive in your marriage. Here you'll find helpful information shaped by a biblical worldview on all things marriage-related, topics like sex, money, parenting, and so much more. We are Michael and Elizabeth, and welcome to the show. I am super pumped about today. Oh, yeah. This episode with these guests, I have been planning... (laughs) in my mind for a very long time. And I'm so excited. Like ever since we met Nick at PodFest in 2020. Yeah, March. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah, I was like, we got hooked on their podcast and Michael had been following him on um, YouTube for a while. And so it, they're just the nicest, nicest people. We have Nick and Hannah True from Ma- Mapped Out Money on today's episode. And I'm telling you, this interview is amazing. We really wanted to have them on here to share like their financial wisdom because that's what they do. They help clients who come to them and say, I need help with my finances, with my budget, being smarter, achieve my goals. And they just have such a great, great way of like clearly communicating mindset around money. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And their podcast that's been going for about a year called the Mapped Out Money Podcast is an absolute must subscribe. Yes. As soon as you get done with this one, don't stop this one, but as soon as you get (laughs) done with our interview here, you'll want to go ahead and just do that and you'll you'll be totally hooked. But they just have a way, if you think about like, Oh, I don't really, I don't know about a money podcast. That sounds kind of dull. It's like, no, these guys yeah. really make it relatable, relational. Yes. And it's not just all about money and spreadsheets and stuff. It's like kind of living life in a responsible way and just having fun in the different, it's hard to encapsulate their podcast yeah, like and do it justice. I think their tagline is something like utilizing money to living your, so that you can live your adventure. It's something like that. So it's like using money for your lifestyle, the lifestyle that you dream about, the, the adventure, the life adventure that you want for yourself and your, you know, if you're married for your spouse that they have the mapped out money podcast. They also have the mapped out money minute where they give like really quick, um, like financial, um, advice or snippets. So it's, if you want something quick, that's digestible. Um, that one's really good. I, I do want to say, check out their website, mappedoutmoney.com. That's where you can find all their stuff. So make sure you go there too. And without further ado, (laughs) listen to this episode. You're going to love it. All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us in this week's episode. We are so, so excited. We have some special guests, Nick and Hannah True. We are so pumped to just have them on our podcast and we listen to their podcast, Mapped Out Money. And um, so you guys, welcome to the show and thank you so, so much for agreeing to be on our podcast. Thank you so much for asking us to do it. We're excited to be here. Yeah, we're happy to be here. Good. Well, um, for our listeners, we really wanted to have Nick and Hannah on because they just have so much um, 
wealth of knowledge about finances and just being wise and smart and really setting yourself up for success in the way that works best for the in like the couple um and not just saying all right here's five things you do and then you'll be successful it's like no here's kind of like a here's kind of like a skeleton and here's some good practices and you know i i really enjoyed one episode you had about um like myths about um credit score i think it was yeah. and i was like my mind was totally blown i was like this stuff is so good. Like we need more of this stuff. Um, but we just really wanted to bring y'all's expertise to, um, our listeners because we just, we know we've benefited from it and we're like, we need other people to benefit from your wisdom and your knowledge. And, um, and so we kind of wanted to start with like, going back before you guys got married and how maybe your upbringing that environment or like how you saw money spent kind of that sort of mindset and those things that you witnessed kind of growing up how that impacted you because then it also impacts your marriage cuz like for Michael and I we saw very different ways of money being spent and it's wow. really something we've had to work through. And so we'd love to know how it affected you guys individually and kind of how you worked through it, young married. And, you know, it's always an ongoing conversation. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, I know like I grew up just always having like Dave Ramsey on in the background. So like, you know, going to school and whatever, anytime we were in the car, basically Dave Ramsey was on the radio. So I think I internalized a lot of that without even knowing it. Um, but my parents, are y'all familiar with like an anti-budget? Nah. Okay. So the idea is like you automate savings and um, investments and, you know, bills and all this stuff. And then whatever is left over, you just, you know, go to town with. It's no, you're not worried about it. It doesn't matter. Like you're not trying to like optimize every dollar and like plan out where you're going to spend everything. Like you take care of those core things and then you spend the rest and don't don't fret over it. When you run out of money, you wait till the, yeah, the next month. Yeah, you paycheck. wait till the next month. Um, and so that was, <laughs> I guess, kind of more of my parents' mentality. Like they were very wise as far as like they didn't take out car loans, um, you know, all of those basic kind of things. They didn't have credit card debt. So I knew all of that and had kind of like that foundation laid. Um, but I was, I was not, um, I wasn't at the strategy level that Nick was at. And we found that out pretty quickly. No, well, <laughs> you, your, um, your parents are really wise with their money and, and taught you, especially probably through their actions more than anything. Yeah. But you, I don't think had a natural interest in it. You're yeah. like, money was a tool. You had to use it. Um, for me, I, so my dad uh, is a small business owner. He started his, his business uh, building houses and my parents never really taught me much or not a lot about budgeting per se, or like the day-to-day -day sort of allocation of money. But what they were really big on in my household was the idea of like working really hard and then being able to sort of see the fruits of your labor. And so my dad built his business. And so I watched him do that. And then, you know, I worked uh, all around the house for different things. And my parents taught me, my brother at a young age, this was super helpful, um, that we had sort of baseline chores that we had to do. 
And then if we would go above and beyond those chores, we had a, a list of like, if you vacuumed an extra room, you could get a, a 10 cents. And if you folded an extra basket of laundry, you could get 25 cents. And we had sort of a list and they equated like it to money. Better than that. I think you're still in your parents. <laughs> no, legit. That's what they were. <laughs> well, they were small hey, tasks, right? Those are, like, things, those are numbers I can get behind. <laughs> well, well, see, here's the deal. You can, you add it up, right? Because like you can fold a basket, you can fold a basket of laundry in like 10 minutes. Right. So to a seven year old, uh, like a quarter in 10 minutes is not too bad. And if you do it enough, I, w- I got to the point where I was making like 10 bucks a week. Right? It's going to be in for a rude surprise when we have a seven year old and they're like, yeah, I'm not. Interested. Well, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. inflation. That's inflation. We got to, you know, we got to get the dollars yeah. up. I but, need one Bitcoin. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. That's more like it. Yeah. Um, no, but, so on a serious note, my parents were big on like uh, work hard. And, and and then you can make money and then you can actually do something with that. Um, and then they enrolled uh, me and my brother into like a crown financial, which was uh, Larry Burkett yeah. sort of big in the pre Dave Ramsey days in the Christian finance world. So I did that when I was in like middle school and that really got me actually interested to me. I'm super competitive. Um, I, I'm, I'm very, uh, I like games. I'm very competitive in that way. And to me, money was like this game of like, what can I do and how can I use it? And so it did become uh, more strategy for me and it just sort of uh, grew from there. But that's a little bit about how we grew up there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So with that, kind of having those two different backgrounds, did you guys have any kind of early marriage surprises from a financial standpoint and kind of like making the two uh, philosophies meet in those early years? So on the game note, <laughs> right? How do you win the game, right? If 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 money was the game, how do you win the game? Now, I don't necessarily believe this anymore. I would tell you these days to win the game of money, you would find the best way to use your money uh, towards the things that you and your family value, right? How can we make sure we're spending our dollars on things that matter and impact? Uh, and that's how you would win uh, the game. When we first started dating and got married, the way I thought you win the game was by... You just don't spend any of it. You know. <laughs> it just sits here. Building your account, right? Yeah. Uh, and so the way to win the game was to not spend any money. And so that was definitely a point of contention early on, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I, like I said, I didn't have the strategy piece there. So it was like, okay, well, we're covering all the things that we, like, need to be covering. So let's go enjoy the rest of it. And Nick was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, (laughs) no, we did not plan to do this $5 thing. So we are not going to do that $5 spontaneous thing. Um, So those were definitely like the main points of contention of uh, minor things that just brought up like how differently we were thinking. Like Nick's number one goal was just to not spend any. My number one goal was to, to, to build uh, building security, you know, <laughs> build wealth. And one of the ways you build wealth is to make sure you don't spend too much of it. Right? <laughs> that is true. I totally, I totally connect with that because like, I, I didn't watch my parents like spend money on anything but essentials. Like it was a very, very modest upbringing, yeah. um, to like really like grocery store. And then I just didn't see anything else. Um, yeah. And it's like bills were covered and we were fed. And then that's all that I knew money went to. And Michael just had a very different upbringing where he saw his parents spend money on, on other things 
like niceties, things like that. And so when he would be like, Hey, I I kind of splurged and got like $25. And we're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) We we can't send this, especially like, like newlyweds because he was in grad school and I was working two jobs. And so I was like, we gotta, we gotta save everything. We're living off of like loans and small paychecks and all this stuff. And it was just like, even now, like when I, Michael's like, I need to buy you something nice because you won't buy it for yourself. <laughs> and I'm like, well, wait a minute, what are you buying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it still brings up like this hesitation where we're we we have to like it's an ongoing growing um just I don't know, growth of like looking at money. And like you said, we actually did the crown, right? We did. We did the crown yeah. um thing. Um it was like eight, 10 weeks. We loved it. It was really good. Yeah. We we had come from, um, I think separately had read um, Financial Peace from Dave Ramsey and kind of, it's cool when you have the different, different philosophies Mm because a lot of Ramsey might work, but you might disagree on some points. You kind of pull like crown principles and um, stuff like that. Yeah. Now with you guys having the two different backgrounds, like obviously we said it's like an ongoing conversation, but were, were there some like, like things that maybe helped unify you guys like, okay, this is, this is a productive conversation or like, this is a productive tool. Was there anything kind of like that? Yeah. So I think, um, I think unifying wise, the the biggest thing that helped us, uh, maybe, maybe two things. So the was one, actually having some level of empathy for the other person's perspective and understanding that background and difference, right? Um, and understanding the way that they perceive it. Because I'm like, mine's weird. I was heavily influenced by my parents on the making money side, which is what like really pushed me to feel confident in leaving my job and starting a business and doing that kind of stuff. Um, but my parents were not super like crazy frugal, not spenders. Um, I just, I, I just had that in my DNA, I guess. Your grandpa's kind of like that. My, my grandfather's a little bit yeah. that way. So maybe I picked it up from him, but um, the thing that got, I felt like got us on the same page was, was, actually sitting down and talking and having some sense of a game plan, because that's really all I needed. What we quickly learned, uh, certainly about me and my struggles with like the tension was I was okay with spending if it was planned for. It's not that we had to say no. I just really struggled with impulse spending because I'm such like a thinker and like slow decision maker. Um, There's a a personality test uh, called the, um, Oh gosh, I just lost it. Coda, Coda. Um, it basically is for work, how you work, how you like engage with work. And one of them is um, what they call like a quick react. And you can be really high or you can be, I'm really low. So like, I'm very slow to make decisions. And Hannah is not as slow as I am to make decisions. <laughs> <laughs> and even like one story that, I always think of is we got on this trip with another couple and we were doing this whole trip, like crazy cheap. Like it was like hardcore camping, you know, whatever. And so we had hiked down into the bottom of the Grand Canyon and we were spending one night down there and then we were hiking back out. And so when you get to the bottom, there's like a whole campground. And then there's like the, the hotel where the mules go. 
And they have like they open up the little restaurant thing to the tent campers to come in and get like drinks and play games like at eight or nine at night, eight or nine at night, you know. And so and we didn't know that was down there. Yeah. So this was like this surprise thing when we got down there. We're like, oh, wow. This like the Mule Lodge opens up and you get to like go in there and hang out. They have snacks and drinks and what, like, you know, and of, stuff. of course, T-shirts. So yes. they have these like cool, like painted. It was like a like a watercolor painting of the Grand Canyon and whatever. And, you know, it's like twenty dollars. I was like, oh, man, I am totally getting a T-shirt. And it was like, <laughs> whoa. We did not plan to buy this t-shirt. Like he was so mad. I was like, you know what? We just hiked to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. So I know you're mad right now, but I'm I'm still going to get this t-shirt. But <laughs> it's just little things like that where we've learned. Nick's like, okay, anytime we like are doing something, I'm going to set aside like 40 bucks for Hannah when she like finds whatever random thing because I'm bound to find it. And uh, I know that like I... I'm going to find a thing. I'm not going to find like five things, you know, like if there's like one kind of special thing that I want to remember something or whatever, but getting better at like prioritizing those things that I like spending money on and not, not doing that all the time. Yeah. So to, to, to save myself a little bit here, people listening are going to think I'm like the most tight, wide, cheap person in the world. Cause, and, and, and so I just want to say like, we, we spend a lot of money on stuff that we care about and have fun with. The key for me, and this is more of like a self-awareness piece, is knowing that I really struggle with unexpected stuff. And so it could be an unexpected $2,000 or an unexpected $20 t-shirt. And my level of struggle is probably going to be fairly similar (laughs) um, because it was the unexpected blindsidedness. And so what I always tell couples is, you got married for a reason. Ideally, you love each other and enjoy each other's company and are friends with <laughs> each other. And, you know, we hope that, that 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 is true. And so you probably have a lot in common if you're married. And so if you will actually sit down and ask them, okay, how can we spend our money or manage your money in a way or not spend our money in a way that would make you feel happy and like resonate with you? And then the same for me. And so like with Hannah, a couple of her big things, I don't want to speak for you, but a couple of your big things are like being able to have money to buy small things for family when we see something that is like, oh, our nephew would love that. Right. Uh, Or being able to, you know, uh, buy a random T-shirt on a trip because she wants something to remember the trip by. Like small, fairly small purchases, but like random is really important to you and brings a lot of joy and value. To me, planning brings a lot of joy and value. And so we actually were able to figure out like, oh, well, we'll just plan to do unplanned spending. And then that solves this problem, right? (laughs) And so um, just actually sitting down and talking and trying to really empathize with the other person and ask them, you know, how does, how can we make this work for you? What are some things? And this is where like, you have to kind of know yourself and then be able to actually articulate that and the be willing to listen to the other person. If you can do those things, then getting on the same page is not not as hard as you might think at first. I also feel like if if you make the effort to like actually sit down and spend that time talking to each other, even if you're not good at articulating it, because I would argue that I'm not, um, that those things end up kind of coming out. So, I mean, I our earliest conversations, I mean, I feel like probably initially didn't feel very productive, but eventually you start learning like, oh, Nick's not 
not wanting me to buy this t-shirt because he's like a Scrooge. He's not wanting me to buy this t-shirt because he's thinking of like our overall well-being and like all of these things that we're going to want to do in the future. And he's trying to make sure that we are stable and have money to do all this other stuff um, down the road. And so it's not coming from like a mean, selfish place. It's coming from a, a place of like, he cares about me and like cares about us and, you know, our future. And um, I think you recognizing that, like with me, it's not like I was out to kill your plans. Like I was just thinking about things differently. And uh, you and figure those you, things out when you like are friends and talk to each other. And so. you, what you bring to the relationship is like if you're always sort of miserly thinking about the future and never enjoying the moment, well, then that's no good either. Right. Like we have to sort of enjoy the journey along the way. Um like most things, I think, in marriage, points of contention around money are often just miscommunications and misunderstanding more than they are anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key there was you guys coming from, they sound so separate, like the randomness and the planning, um, but your desire is for each other. Like, Hannah, your desire is for Nick to be satisfied with the kind of make a plan that works. And then Nick, your desire is to have Hannah be able to do that too. So when you come at it with that angle, it's like, you're not out to get each other. You're not two sides of a different coin. You're, you're the same. You're one. You just got to start the conversation and you might, it might take hours. It might take several sessions of a conversation. Like money issues are like really long-term sometimes, mm-hmm. Yeah, but just starting is a really good point. Yeah. We haven't like had our early I think just because we were so poor when we first got married, we knew like don't spend money on anything that's not essential. But like our money conversations, I say conversations, they were arguments. <laughs> came, <laughs> they came much later. And yeah. Um, and yeah, and the purchases weren't they were not big and extravagant because we would really be in therapy right now if they were. Um, but just, you know, just like is just like, oh, I thought that it was going to cost this much. I totally get the unexpected and it making you feel like you're kind of out of control because I'm yeah. like, well, we need a plan. <laughs> Let's yeah. stick to the plan. And when it doesn't go to plan and it's like, what happened to the plan? <laughs> like We had these friends and she, she surprised her husband. There's like nothing wrong with this. If this is like how your relationship functions, but she surprised him with a $500 gift for his birthday. And I just like, she was telling me about it. She's so excited to give it to him, whatever. And I'm just like marveling. I'm like, wow, Nick would literally have a heart attack if I <laughs> did that for him. Like, oh, what do you think about, what do you think about the car commercials where the, the guy, oh my gosh, oh my God. Lexus. <laughs> I get outraged every time I see those stinking things. He does. You just, you just like hit a major chord right there. I'm, and- like that is the most absurd. Okay, let's go. Like you, buying a house, having a kid, buying a car is like maybe the third biggest purchase most people are going to make. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? You're going to make a third largest purchase of your life without talking to your spouse? Insanity. I was like, what if what if you don't even like maroon? You wanted white anyways. <laughs> like, literally, that's not the same level, but that's almost the same level of being like. Uh, hey, honey, I just want to let you know, um, I actually have not been taking my birth control. Surprise. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no, you don't do that. <laughs> I knew you'd be happy about it once it happens. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah, that's that's a big, like, shaking of your reality. Like, 
what? Yeah. No. So funny. No. I mean, even today, like Michael mentioned, um, he just, we both um, went to University of Georgia and um, that's where we met. And he was like, yeah, I, I think it'd be really cool just to have one of those like UGA, like vanity plates in the front yeah. and Father's Day is coming up. So it's like, I said to him, cause I know there's certain things that he's like, I trust you make the purchase. And there's some things where he wants to pick out the exact one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything tech, I'm like, hands off. Like, you know exactly what you want to do to do and he researches the junk out of it and so he's like well i think i want to pick it up. i said go for it you, just, you tell <laughs> yeah, me what yeah. you want and but yeah this the the idea of surprising with a big like even spending like 50 bucks i'm like can we do that but that makes me nervous <laughs> yeah yeah And the the numbers all, I mean, you know, the numbers all scale and all that stuff. Cause like y'all, you know, so our first year of marriage, um, we, we had saved up basically enough money to live on until I graduated. So Hannah was in grad school and I was finishing undergrad and I was working part-time. And, uh, so our first year of marriage, we were making about a thousand dollars less than we were spending every month. And we had like 12 grand saved up and I graduated in 10 months. So the math works, right? Like we can technically last uh, by dripping a thousand bucks a month. And at the end of this whole thing, I'll graduate, get a real job and we'll have $2,000 in the bank and life should work. Even though that was the plan and even though the plan worked and even though that technically all worked, it was so stressful to me, watching the bank account numbers go down, I did not really envision just how stressful that was going to be in that first year. Cause like y'all, we were so broke in that first year, especially that was like, we don't go, we don't don't go to McDonald's. We don't go, you don't do anything. Like (laughs) my mom, like her gifts to me would be like, I have $20 of Kohl's cash. Do you want to use it? And I would like to Yes. Yes. I'm curious, what was y'all's uh, living arrangement? Because we had a trailer and that was an experience. Which, like, not, not, a, not like an Airstream nice trailer like no, you no, wanted. No. It's, like, it's like it's kindling, which I think every married couple, when they first start out, should live in a little tiny trailer. It just makes you get yeah. to know your spouse really well. I, like I would say that it does, yeah. We we had a um we had a, a duplex um that we shared one half with some other random couple. I don't even know that we ever saw them, but um we just had like a real basic thing. But the, I think the hardest part of us was so we met in Chattanooga at um UT Chattanooga, and that's where we were both in school. But Chattanooga is a little bit more expensive to live in. And so during our first year of marriage, we actually lived about 45 minutes away in a smaller town and would commute in and that also had its like while it saved us money, it had its own set of, I think, difficulties just because we were both so swamped with school. And then now we had an hour and a half car yeah, ride we were so every tired. day that we didn't get a lot of sleep that first year, which which and then I also feel like we just didn't really talk to each other that much either because like we were so tired. So like he would work late and I would stay at school late doing stuff because I was in grad school at the time. And so then we'd get in the car and normally whoever wasn't driving, normally me, would fall asleep. <laughs> and so like, you know, we'd get home, eat, go to bed. And that was like kind of life. So we did for 10 know? months. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, so then I feel like after that uh, is when we actually started to like talk about things more and get more on this. Yeah. The first 10 months of our marriage were weird because it was like, a, it just kind of felt like grinding, mm-hmm. uh, until graduation. It was yeah. like, you just, 
you know, you put your head down and, and sort of get to work. Uh, and we knew that going into it. Yeah, like, we knew that. It was we knew that's plan. what we were signing up for. Uh, but it, it definitely didn't didn't make that first year of marriage easy. One thing <laughs> I will say that it, I think it did is it gave us confidence in the future of knowing that when we need to, we can work well together on a shared goal. Um, so while it was really, really, really tough, I think it gave us a lot of confidence later on to do some of the other stuff we ended up doing. And also like that the other person is like going to rise to the occasion and do, do what you need, do what you need help with or, you know, whatever, like, um, you know, we've never had like a relationship where it's like, no, that's your job. I'm not doing that. Or, you know, whatever, we'll both get in and do whatever needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. If you can make it through that in the early stage, like that is a huge hurdle. So, you know, you've made it through some of the hard stuff already. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like just the other day we were talking about how like tired we are these days, but our life is so much easier than the first year of marriage. I'm like, man, we're soft. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even have kids yet. I'm like, this is bad. So, well, y'all, if anybody who's been keeping up with the renovation aspect of your, your stuff, it's like, Good Lord, uh, y'all like do so much. The the gravel, the <laughs> everything. The house so, painting. I see why you're tired. Yeah. I think yeah. we find the hardest way to do things too. Um, like That certainly seems, we just, yeah. It does. Like some of our friends came over the other day and he's like, oh, hey man, you want to bring that tractor over and move that? And we're like, uh, yeah, we do. Like Actually, yes. He's like, y'all, y'all have been like shoveling that, like moving it with a wheelbarrow and stuff. And we're like. No. Hey, you're my you're my kind of DIYers. The, the cheap. How can we do this yes. on the cheap? And we need to figure out how to get it done. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that's what we've been doing, and it it is it's a it's process. Tiring. Yeah, <laughs> I can't imagine. We met a couple just a couple weeks ago uh, here in town, and they actually live just behind us on the other street. And they were talking about how they bought that house um, when they had like their kids were toddler toddler like little little kids and they're like yeah we thought like we were gonna paint and like i had one baby and i was like i'll just strap the baby to my chest and like paint you know (laughs) they're like yeah no that did not happen i was just impressed (laughs) they even thought about it because i would have been saying like yeah no that's what i'm like i can't imagine (laughs) doing the renovation we're doing right now with with kids running around i'm like this is yeah we got to get this done first for sure it's funny you mentioned that because we, I find, okay, so we've been in this house. We bought it when I was six months pregnant with our daughter and she's now six. Okay. So I have been trying to pick out a paint color for our house probably since we moved in. And I'm like, <laughs> and I can't like everything. I'm like, oh, that's so ugly. Or like, it's green and everything in Florida is green. And you don't want it to be blue because you want it to contrast the sky. And I'm like way overthinking everything. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, maybe this means that our house needs to be white. Like yeah. just a nice white that kind of like absorbs the light and it's not like reflector. Yeah. But with kids, so we have, you know, those little art sponge oh, yeah. painters yeah, yeah, yeah. and yep. we, we put them in a paint shirt. And so our six-year-old and our four-year-old, we said, paint that wall and I'm going to go over here and roll. <laughs> so it's like, it's, they, for hours, they were just like painting and painting. That's so cool. There's a way to do it now it didn't look professional, but you sure. go over it with the roller and it's just primer and everything. Yeah, but yeah. 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 It's like, we're going to learn how well, to paint. <laughs> I like that. Putting them to work. Yes. <laughs> Got to start them sometimes. You have 10 cents for that. That's, that's good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
Yeah. We're, we're no, we're no inflation home. You know, that's Tooth right. Fairy is going to be giving out 50 cents yeah, in our that's house. Right. Our rates <laughs> are straight from the 1950s. Yeah. yeah. I remember my parents one time, uh, um, we went to, I don't know why I remember this so well. I, we went to Rock City in Chattanooga, which was a big like attraction. And uh, it's about an hour drive from Rock City to back to my, my parents' house. And uh, I guess I was just being annoying and talking a lot. My dad, I remember him being like hey nick i'll give you a quarter if you can be quiet from here all the way home and uh i did i didn't say a <laughs> word <laughs> i was so cheap i was like i want that quarter <laughs> my dad's favorite game to play with nick is like how much would i have to pay you to jump off this pier at midnight and swim back to the beach and then blah 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 that's always like he's Coming always asking how stuff. much would i have to pay you to <laughs> my answers are always way lower than anybody else's yeah they are that's <laughs> That is hilarious. I love that. Um, side total side note. So you're talking about being in school and stuff. Um, I don't know, Hannah, if you know this, but Michael's a physical therapist. Are you really? And yeah. when I heard you mention that on one of your episodes, I was like, What? Yeah. That's so great. Yeah. 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 I know you're not doing that anymore, but I was like, yeah. you guys you the, the minds. Yes. Well, and you can understand how then that first year of marriage, that was Hannah's first year of PT school. And so that, that was just, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. But it's funny too, because like Elizabeth, you talking, it sounds like you have kind of like that, the numbers mindset, like Nick does. And I don't know if y'all noticed this, but when I was in PT school, there were a ton of PTs married to engineers and like numbers people. Hmm. And there are like five people in my class of like 15. So yeah. Like PT and engineer. PT yeah. There's and something with like PT and like number people. I don't That's know. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. My PT class had a large number of, of intermarriage, like literally <laughs> five, right. five couples out of my class of 29. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. It was, my yeah. Class, yeah. It was really high. Like, PTs as, married PTs. Yeah. <laughs> as the year went, the years went on, the three years, it was like they became a couple and they became That's a couple. Right. And they're we like, do spend a lot of time together. So I can yeah. see that. Yes. I yeah. The that. only numbers that exist in my life are um, musically because I have a BA in go. dance education. So. There so I go. count music. Those are my numbers, but I'm no engineer. <laughs> 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 yeah oh man i love that i just i loved that connection i had i just had to be like yeah you guys are similar. it's a small little world it's a small yeah. world yeah well it's so funny because the more i listen to y'all's podcast and how you guys are solving these money things that are coming up between you guys yeah so like i totally connect with like the the planning and having like allotted like okay this money goes here and this money goes there. But then also like Hannah, you were planning for that yellow love seat you're talking about in one of your episodes. And um, that's totally me too, because it's like, we, we just, okay. So we've been married, we'll be married for 10 years this year. And we just bought our first couch. Like that's impressive. That's good. It, Man, that is. It, that's delayed gratification. That's right. that's what that is. It really was because it was like, it was, we just were like, we have two couches they are perfectly fine. Now, did our living room look like a frat house? Yes, it did. But they, <laughs> they held our behinds and it was good. It was fine. But, you know, like I researched and waited for like a specific couch to go on sales. So it's like, I totally get that. Like, oh, that's the one I've been waiting for. Yes. But it's just 
I couldn't plan for it in a specific timeline. It just, you just know it when you, yeah. Yeah. But I, I but I loved how, um, what's the name of that episode? Cause I want people to listen to that one. Uh, I think it's called, uh, we fought about money. Cause we, we talk yeah. about, mm-hmm. we talk about the couch and then we talk about the, the painting that sort of caused a little yes. bit of a, a strife. Yeah. We'll yes. Yeah. And I, so listeners, if you're listening to this, listen to that episode because it was really good because like you guys had that plan for that spontaneous, I say purchase, but it's something you guys had, you'd known about, but you were just waiting for the right time to, to kind of strike on that. Yeah. And, and that's like a great point because, uh, you know, most things in life that this is a little bit different, but it's, it's the same. And in that most things in life to get people in money trouble, like emergencies, we can actually plan for them. Like when, if you just think about it a little bit, we're renovating a house. And so we've been brainstorming all of the different things that we know we're going to make. And she's been talking about a yellow love seat for the office for months. And probably even before this house, you've been thinking about a couch like that in the future. And so we didn't know it would be that particular couch, but we knew what we were looking for and we were planning for it. And then on the emergency side, like, oh, you have kids? Great. They're probably going to get sick or break things. So when it's a medical emergency, let's not pretend like we didn't know that was going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen, but we know it's going to happen. So let's create a category and set that aside. I, I tell all of the clients that we work with that have um, teenage boys, and I say, oh, great. You have a teenage son? Great. They're going to total a car. So <laughs> let's plan for that. It's comforting, isn't it? <laughs> right. Let's plan for that. And set money aside for when that happens, because last time I checked, something like 50 or 60 percent of boys are going to total a car between the ages of like 16 and 21. Oh my <laughs> so God. like it's probably going to happen. Right. That makes me really nervous because we already have two and one on the way. Yeah. <laughs> also thinking back to my high school, <laughs> like, wow, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's what Nick's like always amazed because I still have my car from when I turned 16 like still going strong like that's what both, we drive everywhere. both me and my brother totaled cars before 18 yeah you went through like three or four cars yeah. like so nothing. funny we have my car that I got when I graduated high school my, yes. that's what Michael drives and I, I will be selling it this weekend actually <laughs> oh no <laughs> way yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I'm, I'm but get, yeah, the plan is to get my first vehicle for me tomorrow or Saturday. So, yeah, okay. that's yeah. exciting. F 150. Nice, yeah. right? Yeah, nice. yeah used, very, nice. very used. They're crazy sure. prices. Sure. Now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, even used, everything's super high right now. It's not a great price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and like, so that purchase between us, like, that, like, I am sweating about thinking about signing the paperwork. And like, even when we had to, we had to, um, get uh, so sad. I cried. Seriously. We had a, we had a Toyota forerunner that we had for like up until our second baby came and we're like, we kind of need a, I loved the forerunner. It's like my dream car, but we needed something a little more family friendly. (laughs) Um, And so we, we had to break down and get the minivan and like, even that, like, I was just like talking the guy down and like, like, "Mm, you're not really, we know we need to meet a certain like monthly payment and you're not there yet. And so we were like, see you later. And, but yeah, it's just like all those, the the things that you know are going to be inevitable. 
no matter how big or small you're like, it's like, okay, it is going to be a purchase, but how do we get through it together? Not fight about it and find that compromise that we both feel comfortable with. Um, Those are always hard. Vehicles are especially tough too, because they have so much, even like, um, even like money stuff, there's so much history wrapped up in them. Right. So like Michael, I'm curious on this, why an F-150, right? Why not a Dodge or a Chevy? Uh, tons of research. Uh, what it comes down to is my dad, my older brother, my little brother, her yep. dad, her older brother, yep. all have F one fifties. Yes, and also like yes. I, and I'll say also like my buddy Joe who buys cars for a lot. He said you have to go f- go Ford or Toyota. Rams okay, Chevys and Titans do not do well. So yeah. I was like, I'm trying to like, I want to get the thing that I want the most. Cause I've just always seen like men in my family drive F-150. So I really drive want F-150. one forever. Um, yes. but also like, if I'm going to get one too, it's nice to know that there's at least some like good resale somewhere yep. down the road. And we're also yeah. going to drive it oh, yeah. <laughs> till the wheels fall off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yep. totally. Yeah. And that's my point, right? Like with big purchases like that, it's not 100% objective. And I'm not saying you didn't do the research. We have an F-250, right? Uh, so we're it big was the Ford same people. Thing. It same was thing. like his whole family's Ford. They're all whatever. diehard Ford people. My Nick dad laid out all like the pros and cons <laughs> yep. of all the different whatever. And he was like, I think it's Ford. I don't think I'm just thinking that because of everybody else, but I don't know. Well, and ultimately for us uh, to try to make the decision objective, I had a, a, a good connection in that. One of my best friends from high school is a diesel mechanic in the Air Force. And so I was asking him and he was, he's very objective when it comes to trucks and is like, you can get her Dodge, but it has to be this make and this engine. You can get a Chevy, but it has to be this transmission and that engine. You can get a four, but, and with him, ultimately part of it was I bought the truck that I bought partly because he owns the same truck, make model year and engine. And I knew that if I had issues, I could call him. Yeah. Right. And so it's still not always a um, financial decision. It is financial, but it's emotional. And that's the thing with money is it's emotional, mm-hmm. right? And so we have to sort of recognize that. And then we have to recognize it in our spouse too about like, okay, are we making this decision because everyone drives Ford? So that's what we do. Or are we making this decision because it's the wisest thing? And it's always going to be a mix. And you've got to, you got to figure out how to be as open about that as possible. Otherwise it's hard. Yeah. yeah that's a really good point. Cause I think sometimes people are like, it's money. It just, you spend it on stuff and da, 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 da. it's like, no, it's really, it's really emotional, which is why I get like, <laughs> we didn't well, it's like, this. Minivan, right? like how many moms right now, right now, like is the thing. Are so are people buying a minivan because like, we already want a minivan. <laughs> yeah. We know all yeah, these people have kids. who are like, I will never drive a minivan. Like, yes. What's wrong with like that? it's like, an emotional thing, right? Have you been in a minivan? They're amazing. Like there's so <laughs> many moms that are like over my dead body. Am I driving a minivan? Right. <laughs> and, uh, that's an emotional thing. It has nothing to do with finance or logic. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was. I was like, man, I'm a minivan mom. I'm not like a cool <laughs> mom with a forerunner. We support yeah. you. Oh my gosh. Minivans are the best. They really, <laughs> you can't. You literally, there's no other vehicle where all those doors are automated and it's like maximum space to reach in and grab your kid. Yeah. I mean, yep. pulling a infant car seat out of a forerunner is way harder than pulling it out of a minivan. Totally. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. They're legit. And the, the, the vans now are insane. Like if you approach anything recent, they're amazing yeah we uh and i played in like a wannabe rock band in high school and we put a trailer hitch on my mom's minivan and we towed our band trailer around with the minivan we could put all of our equipment in there the drum set everything they're the most practical vehicles on the road yeah. but funny story this is not money related <laughs> but when when nick and i first met so he had just totaled i believe your second car <laughs> Which was like an eclipse, so you know, like the little sports car kind of yeah, thing. So he just totaled that. I didn't know this, but he was driving his mom's minivan since his eclipse had gone bye bye. And so, like, we we're kind of, you know, we kept running into each other on campus and stuff. And like, at one point, you needed to go to Walgreens or something. And uh, oh, I bit my lip. Yeah, and so something came up that doing parkour. That's another one of Nick's <laughs> hidden talents: parkour. So um, I was like, well, come on, we'll go to Walgreens and get like, you know, whatever. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I no, I'm good. I Whatever. So I left that interaction going, OK, this dude doesn't like me. That's fine. Whatever. Like, I'll, we just won't be a thing. And uh, a few like maybe a week later or something, you asked me to go do something because you had borrowed like your dad's car or something, but it ended up coming out later. Like I wanted to ask you to go do this thing with me, but I was in my mom's minivan and I didn't want the first time that I like took you somewhere to be in my mom's minivan. And I was like, wow, I totally read that as like, <laughs> you just not liking me at all. But it was all that minivan. Everything could have, you know, just not happened because of that minivan. That is so hilarious. But then you find out years later, she's actually kind of into minivans. So you would have been surprised. I, I, I thought you were super cool. It would have so. been okay. What was <laughs> that Toyota that did like the Swagger Wagon yes, commercials? Sienna. Yes. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. My parents were trying to convince me that they were cool when that that whole like, <laughs> ad campaign came out. I'm like, it's still a minivan. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, what um, I'd love to know, like we've talked about like conversations between you guys, like it's always an ongoing conversation, money, like it just, cause we're always in like different seasons, right? Like we, we, by the grace of God have more money coming in now than when we were first married, which is wonderful. And so, you know, your money conversations kind of change um, because of just different seasons. But um, I'd love to know like um, what, um, maybe, maybe like intentional questions that maybe you guys use to like check in with each other and also like what tools, um, have really set you guys up for success so that you're just checking in like, all right, how's the money situation going? Are we still on the same page? Are, are the tools that we are currently using working for us kind of a thing? Yeah. So, I actually think um, I think most of the time with money stuff, people focus too much on the here and now. This is not surprising based on everything I've set up to this point. Uh, and I, I actually think it's best to focus a little bit longer term in in the initial phase of like coming together and checking in and seeing how things go. And, and what I mean by that is 
having some semblance of a, an idea, a vision, a plan for where you two are trying to go in the future. Right. Um, like one of the ways that I, um, heard this described probably from a youth pastor, I think when I was younger as like a really good way to know if you're finding someone that you, you know, might want to marry that you think is someone you want to spend your life with is that you sort of say, Hey, this is kind of what I think the future of my life is going to look like. I'm kind of thinking I'm going to go do these things and here's what I feel like maybe God's calling me to do. And then she is like, yeah, I'm actually kind of feeling like I'm going to be doing some of those things too. Like funny enough, those actually kind of align. Like you think you're going to be doing some of these things. I think I'm going to be doing some of these things. And these actually kind of work together. So it's both of you having a semblance of the idea of the future. So from a practical standpoint, Hannah and I have um, a vision, if you will, um, and it's just basically a bullet point list of things we'd like to accomplish in our life one year from now, three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And they're, they're high level. There are things like, um, setting a, aside a certain percentage of our income for savings. There are things like, um, buying a rental property. There are things like traveling to certain places, things like taking trips with uh, Hannah's dad and mom because her dad's newly retired. Uh, things like, you know, um, saving up for other family expenses, having a pet, whatever. There are things we want to accomplish in our life, big picture goals. A couple of years ago, buying a house and renovating a house was on that list. Now here we are, we bought a house and we're working on a house. And so if you can talk in big picture terms about the future, where do you want to live? What do you want to be doing? What do you want your careers like? How do you want your day to be structured? And not talk about money, but just get clear on like the type of life that you two are going after. Then you can hyper focus on the here and now and say, okay, well, how are we using our money right now? And is that helping us achieve that vision of what we said is what we're going for? Or is it holding us back from achieving that vision? So I guess the way I think about it is we have two tools. Tool number one is just a simple Word document with 2021, 2025, 2030 on it, and a handful of things that we'd like to achieve with our life and family by those dates. And then we use a budgeting tool for the here and now day-to-day -day stuff that helps us track the in-the-moment spending and helps us regularly check in and see if we're actually using our money in a way that's going to help us achieve the things on that word document. Mm. And I feel like, um, like we, once a year, we try to do like a small trip to go do this. Um, and I mean, like, like the last place we stayed was like a $40 a night cabin. Well, you like actually, very small trip. The, the goal with this trip is that you can't go anywhere too exciting because yeah, there's then you'll, not that much to do. You want to, you'll want to go actually out and do things. <laughs> The goal of the trip is to go somewhere that there's not really much to do. So you're just there to talk yeah. really and hang out. Um, so we try to do that every year and like have have a very structured like couple of days where we kind of revisit all those things. Um, but now those things are so worked into like just the way we talk that 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 happens more regularly. Like I feel like earlier on we had to make more of a point to say like, OK, we're going to put this on the calendar and we're going to sit down and like talk about these things once a month or whatever it was. And now it's become more natural where we just do it. I mean, probably not a day goes by where we don't 
talk about something along those lines. Especially right now, because we're in the midst of this renovation. And yeah. so we're, we're Things hit, constantly changing. We're, we're constantly sending money out to buy stuff related to the house. And so at, certainly at this point, we're in a hyper season of really focused on every dollar because we're trying to optimize everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we did, we did trips early on every like, you know, basically new year's, we would go first week of January or so. And we would just spend two or three days in a cabin and talk about the future and dreams and plans and basically say, okay, last year, you know, last time we talked about wanting to achieve this, is that still the case? Is that still the timeline? No, actually that's changed. We actually think we might want to shift this or shift that. So having some semblance of a direction, right. Um, around our big picture life and making sure we're both still kind of working towards the same thing, because then if you're aligned on that front now in the moment, when we have to have the harder conversations of, Hey, let's not buy this. Hey, let's not go out to eat. When we have to have those tougher conversations, it's not quite as tough because it's in service of this grander vision that we're working towards and sort of have already both on board with yeah. both decided to work towards. Yeah. But the, the other thing that I want to say there too is I feel like that sounds really daunting to if you haven't been having those conversations to try to have those with your spouse and to try to like articulate those things. Because when Nick first started trying to talk to me about all this stuff, I was like, what, what do you mean? What I want the future to look like? I mean, like, you know, I was in PT school. So I was like, okay, I want to like graduate in three years and then like have a job. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> um, you know? And, um, and I, even I would say stupid things like, uh, I don't know. He would, would like, if you could have any job and money didn't matter, what, what would the job be? And I would kind of roll my eyes at him and be like, I would make seashell necklaces. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and, um, but after having a lot of those conversations, it's like, Hey, you know what? You talk about the beach, like all the time, like every stupid answer that you give me has something to do with the beach. And I'm like, well, I do like the beach. I mean, I would like to live close to the beach. So even if you start out in, in a kind of a silly place, I feel like a lot of times that ends up filtering down to something more meaningful. If you, if you do it enough, because you just get better at talking and, and thinking through those things, I guess. Hey, the truth is said in jest. That's right. I love that though, that you guys do that because like something that is kind of a common theme with like almost every single episode that we do is like your conversations have to be intentional. Otherwise you're not going to have them. You know, you will go the whole day and unless you're an over communicator like me, (laughs) you're not going to talk to your spouse. Um, You're just going to be like, Hey, did you have a good day? And just the connection, like the true deep connection isn't going to be there. And so I love that you guys made like specifically said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to set ourselves up, up for success and get on the same page with our finances is to, to dream about our life. Like so that we are not only on the same page with finances, but also where we want to go as, as a couple. And, um, And that it now becomes this like conversation that happens naturally. And I think that's the, the hurdle that kind of scares people is like, I have to be intentional about talking to my spouse. It's like, well, yeah, you do. You got to be intentional about like scheduling a date night, talking to them, connecting with them, like really listening to them. Like all those things that we think just happens and we're good at when we get married. It's like, no, we got to, we really, yeah, we really have to be good about putting it on the calendar, 
And it doesn't lessen its value because I think we think like, oh, if I have to put my date night with my spouse on the calendar, then it doesn't mean as much. It's like, no, you're actually putting care into your relationship. Yeah, and so totally. I, I think that's really important for, um, for people to like be encouraged that yes, the first like handful of times that you do it or the first like five years that you try and do it, um, may feel slightly cumbersome because you have to plan it. But the example that you guys just shared is that it becomes natural and you guys feel an ease at talking about it. And, and you look forward to those conversations and it's like, there's just something cause you, I know for so many people, it's like, well, how long is it going to take? And it's like, well, it's going to take a little bit, but on the other side yeah. of that, it's really great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause I mean, like, let's get real. Some, and a lot of times if you haven't been doing this, like, you probably, you might not want to do it. Like maybe you're super annoyed with your spouse and like, you're like, I don't want to have an intentional conversation with them. Like, I mean, I feel like that's probably how we felt in our first year of marriage. Like we were tired, we were whatever, we weren't talking very much and we were just kind of at a baseline level of annoyance with everybody all the time. (laughs) And so, you know, you're like, I don't want to sit down and talk to you right now. But that whole, um, I don't know who said it, but that your feelings like follow your actions, not the other way around. So just the importance of like, maybe your marriage isn't in a great spot right now. And like trying to sit down and have those conversations sounds kind of torturous, but being being mindful enough to know like this is important and like the only way to make things better is like to to do this um and to to prioritize like talking with my spouse and like you know whatever and and just trust that like the feelings will follow and eventually like it won't feel so hard and like it won't be something that you don't want to do it'll be the opposite you'll really want to sit down and talk to them about all these things because it'll be fun and you're doing it together and working towards a common goal so i um i think the other in addition to that, because that's, I think that's spot on. And there's a lot of people that will be real resistant to to this, especially super like, hey, let's go to a cabin for two days and talk about the future. <laughs> you know, like, like, that's a lot, right? If you haven't been having these sort of conversations. The other piece of it I'll say is, um, there's a certain amount of allowing yourself to dream like a child that's involved in this, mm-hmm. um, which is hard the older you get and who you're surrounded with, because there's a lot of people that no fault of their own are surrounded by friends and family that dream small. Mm. And so whether it's with their career, whether it's with their family, whether it's with their relationships, if you're surrounded with people who talk bad about their spouses and actually don't have that good of a relationship with their spouse and are annoyed with them all the time, then you're going to subconsciously feel that actually that's kind of what marriage is. Marriage is like you kind of live with this person that you're kind of annoyed with and you actually don't have that great of conversations. And that's certainly how Jim Bob at work feels. And so, you know, whatever that, that happens in all areas. And so, um, one of the greatest things I think going way back to my childhood was like my dad in particular, had this sort of, I can do whatever I want to mentality. He had never built a house before. And in 1998 was like, I'm going to build a house. And he built the house that they, you know, raised me and my brother in. And then after building that house, he was like, I kind of enjoy this. I think I'm going to build houses for a living. And then in 2006, he had never rebuilt a car and he got this old Trans Am and he took it apart and took Polaroid pictures 
of it as he took it apart. And then he was like, I'm going to put it back together now. And he put it back together and he started rebuilding cars. And so I watched him sort of just be like, I can do things like whatever I set my mind to, I can do. And so I, I've always had this like almost childlike dream of like, we can do anything. Like if we want to travel, we can travel. If we want to live near the beach, we can live near the beach. If we want to, we can do whatever we want. And I think you, to your point, especially like when you're in PT school and so stressed out all the time, you didn't, you like, you were not on board with no. like dreaming about crazy stuff. I wasn't. Right. But to your point, when I would say like, if you could do anything, I, that was my favorite question I used to ask is if you could do anything for a living and the money didn't matter, what would you do? Because I do think it's indicative of like stuff you're interested in. I would have never said make seashells, seashell, seashell necklaces, <laughs> right? Um, we hope not anyways, I don't but, know. but the, the point is the more you start with small questions, even if it's with more realistic things, like if you had your dream home, how many bathrooms would it have? Like, that's a funny question to ask. And Hannah's role of thumb that we found out in her dream world is one more bathroom than bedrooms, Right. If you can have one more bathroom than bedrooms, you'll always got bathrooms for everybody, no matter who's around and who's Dedicated staying or whatever. Yes, bathroom. And so that's nice. That's a goofy question. But then three years later, when you're house shopping, that crops back up. And the more you can ask these kind of goofy questions about the future, the more it normalizes the idea of thinking and planning for the future. And eventually one day you'll do what we did, which is say, you know, you've been talking about getting a dog forever. And you've been showing me if you could have any dog, these are the dogs you'd want. Let's actually sit down and math it out. How much does a crate cost? How much does the medical fees cost? How much does food cost? Let's work that in. Okay, I think I think this is realistic. Like, let's go get a dog. Um, and things that used to sound like pie in the sky actually can become reality over time. And so I, I would just encourage people to dream and allow themselves to dream and and start small by asking fun questions around the dinner table or in the car. Mm. It's good. I love that. It's kind of like um, we do, we do a challenge after every episode to kind of just take what we talked about, be meaningful about it. And I think that's a really good, it's like a good example of doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's, it's all processing. It's all I love it. I love that though, because it doesn't have to be something daunting. Like you think about your future, like, oh man, I got to have it all planned out and everything. But yeah. Start small because yeah, it is intimidating when you're like, well, if I can't answer these questions of one, three, five, ten 10 years, then I might as well not start. It's like, no, 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 no. Go, let's, let's go back and let's start yeah. asking some like kindergarten questions, you know? Yeah, like, totally. Let's go back there um, because it doesn't have to be something daunting. The getting on the same page financially doesn't have to be like this huge mountain that you have to overcome. Um, you know, like we will always, Michael and I will always have difficult conversations around money. That's just marriage. <laughs> it's like yeah, how yeah. you, yeah. how you work through it. And like you mentioned earlier, was having empathy for the other person. It's like, they're not out to get you. They're, they, yeah. what they know is what they've brought to the table. And so then how do you, how do you work through that? 
And because if somebody wins, nobody wins. Right. It's like, where's that lovely compromise financially and maritally um, to to set you both up for success? And I just, I love that. Yeah. It's all these good well, and, and like that, that um, like what you said too is so important of the getting on the same page financially and, and, the way that we, I think even the language that we use is really important around this. So to me, I, I think money is just a tool. It's just one tool in our tool belt that we can use to solve problems and do things. But in order to use a tool, we have to first know what kind of problem we're trying to solve, right? So uh, as not the physical therapy person, I'm going to try to do a physical therapy metaphor. We'll see if it lands. <laughs> so, so like, let's say that you have a client that comes in and they've got some real bad knee pain and you take x-rays and, or you get the doctors right up. And so, you know, a little bit about what's going on and, um, you are convinced that this patient is, basically going to have massive trouble for the rest of their life with their knees probably will not ever run. Um, and your goal for them based on how big of an issue this is going to be is just for them to walk, uh, and get to where they can walk somewhat comfortably. And then there's another maybe PT or even the patient themselves who has a massively different idea about what they're going to be doing. Maybe they think they're actually going to be running and jumping and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. If you two have very different ideas about the future outcome of this patient, you're going to approach the methods and protocols and things like that very differently because you're going after two different ideas and outcomes. I don't know if that metaphor worked exactly, but basically what I'm trying to get at is in a marriage, if you two are not on the same page for what you're trying to accomplish, you're definitely going to approach it very differently with the way you're going to use money to get there. So at the very least, you have to be aligned on the outcome you're trying to achieve. And then we can talk about the protocols and the methodology that we might use to get there. And we might disagree on maybe the best way to use our money in a given situation to achieve that outcome. But we have to be aligned on the outcome to start with. Otherwise, we have no chance of getting on the same page. And we um, we talk about this a lot, but like a lot of people are resistant to having a budget because they feel like it takes away like freedom and flexibility to do things. Um, and yeah, I mean, even, you know, Nick and I are constantly adjusting our, our budget too. like it's not like we have a set in stone budget. Like we might spend everything that we have in one certain category and then go, oh, hey, like we just spent all that we had in this category and we still have like half the month to go. Do we want to, do we want to like cut back there or do we want to take from somewhere else and, and actually spend a little bit more here this month? Like, and we're constantly, you know, having those adjustment conversations. And so it feels like we have more flexibility in how we spend our money. Cause we don't, we don't go like, Oh crap, our money's gone. And then like, look back to see where it went. Like we're making those decisions before the money's gone out anywhere. Um, and so it, it does, it feels like when, when you get on the same page with each other and like, you know what you're working towards and then you continually kind of have those little conversations to adjust things. Um, it, it feels like not a restrictive thing, but something that's actually helping you have that flexibility and helping you get, get to those goals that you've talked about. Mm, I like that. I imagine like a, a mechanic who has like 
all the tools at his disposal and he's got this like amazing car and he has no idea what to do with the tools and he literally <laughs> just like throws them inside the engine is like okay it's fixed it's like not even close <laughs> it's like yep. really learning your 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 tool set like your how the best way to set your budget up for having success and like when we first got married we didn't have a budget it was just like literally spend as little as possible and um because i knew like what i was bringing in and what he had in loans and so it was like i kind of just like mentally was like okay we're just not going to spend more than this range at the grocery store and things like that but you know we've gotten more disciplined about setting up the budget and like keeping those things and like you guys do we use YNAB and it's really great because it's like I do want everything to have a purpose and to whether it's like we're going to build up this envelope of money because it's a bigger project or like you know this is just our Amazon budget for the month and with kids, it's like, oh man, they need shoes and Amazon's a great place to get kids okay, shoes, okay. you know? It's yeah. like, so it's just like, it's learning how we can really be free with spending our money because it really did feel when we first got married, it felt so like cumbersome and like um, discouraging because it was like, we're not spending any money. Now, granted, he was in school and I was working. So like, we didn't really go travel or do things. It was, this is just the way it was. But now having like really allotting things in certain places, it's like, I feel like we have so much more freedom with yeah. all of that. Yeah. And it's, it's such, it feels like it shouldn't be that way. Cause you're like, feel like you're restricting your money in certain areas, but it's like, it really is so freeing to set it up to what, like you were, you were saying, like, what do you want your life to be? So then set up your budget to support that. And then you have freedom there instead of just saying, oh, we can never reach our goals. Yeah. yeah Cause you don't have a budget. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's um, another quote that I don't know who it came from, but like the idea that there's freedom and constraints and that like as humans, we actually thrive having constraints. Um, and I think that that is like, so true. That's so true. It also makes it a lot more fun. I was talking to a client this morning um, who is going on a camping trip this weekend. He is uh, 41 years old. This will be the first time he said, Nick, I'm so incredibly thankful. This is the first time in my entire life that I'm going on a trip that I actually set aside the money for ahead of time and like have it totally ready. And I'm not just putting it on a credit card and then like trying to pay it off later. Wow. And he was like, it's going to be the most enjoyable trip I've ever taken because there's no shame around like the spending. There's no mixed emotions around like, oh, I'm going on this trip, but I know I really shouldn't be. I get to like totally go and plan and know that I planned for it. And it was like thought through and the money was there and and now there's like full enjoyment inside of the actual purchase itself which is also super fun that's cool that's a that's a big milestone to be able to do that like no strings attached to something that you really want to do you've put aside that money that's pretty awesome that's really cool i would love to know so like i've seen um and probably just because of social media and everybody's posting their highlight reels, you know, on Instagram, things like that. But, um, 
I think the, one of the things that I see with, um, newlyweds is that they feel like everything possession wise that they have to start fresh. So like they have perfectly good couch, chairs, TV, like whatever it is that they bring possession wise into the marriage. They're like, we want to get all new stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I would love to know, um, I know that that like deep down, that's really a heart issue. Like, okay, we got some, some, like, we need to be content with the things that we do have and just be okay that it's what we have. Like I said, our living room, we're 34 and our living room at 30, age 34 looked like a frat house. There's a red couch and a blue couch and two green chairs. (laughs) (laughs) And it's what it was. But, um, just, I don't, maybe some like, encouragement or like some like I want I just want them to know like it's okay not to start fresh with all the things um yeah totally um yeah when when we got married we I think you our thing was like we moved into like a new apartment you know and so that's always like my trigger like oh a new space so you need like new things to go into it and make it look awesome which we didn't do because that just wasn't even an option but I definitely know what you're talking about like that temptation is there and with this house it's been very interesting because we did keep a storage unit with like a few things in it but before we moved into the Airstream like we sold our couch which was like our old college couch you know um and for the majority of things we were starting from scratch and so like when you look around our house like it looks like we're starting from scratch like everything is mismatched we have folding tables and plastic folding chairs like <laughs> I don't, you can't see my chair but like all of our chairs that we're sitting in are plastic folding chairs basically we did buy a couch um but it it does come down to it's been easier because we do have our budget and we can look and figure out like what is our top priority right now and if we did not have that my temptation would be through the roof to like buy so much stuff for the whole house i mean like because that's definitely like where i enjoy spending money too is like making our space look a certain way um And so, again, giving ourselves those constraints and going like, okay, it does look like a frat house right now and a very poorly furnished frat house. (laughs) I would say that most frat houses look better than what we've got going on (laughs) in our rooms. (laughs) But um, like being really clear, like, okay, well, right now we are working on the outside of the house. And and so I'm kind of like putting blinders on inside because that's not our top priority yet. So what we're doing is going out there. And then like, once we kind of get that to a certain spot, then we can come inside and talk about our, our next priority, which is going to be the office to get that set up. And so kind of, um, I guess, compartmentalizing. Yes, compartmentalizing and not giving into that temptation that you have to have all new things. Um, and also just being able to being willing to put some work into things like we, we bought a $15 chair at the thrift store, um, that like you take the little, the little bottom, like extra fabric part off. I forget what they call that. Yeah. The skirt. Thank you. (laughs) That's a totally basic word, but you know, like take that off and put some trim on it and put a cute pillow in it and it looks really cute. And you know, it's like, 
not expensive at all and not the designer thing that I looked at on on uh, Instagram, but it looks great in our space and totally works, you know. Um, so probably taking a step back from social media and going like, OK, I don't have to order everything from West Elm and my life will still be OK. Like, the other, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I th- so I think you hit on something huge, which is um, you literally like I mean, y'all can tell I'm a big fan of writing things down and making lists like literally sit down and make a list of like my dream home, apartment, condo, whatever you're living in is this. So if I was loaded and I had all the money in the world, this is what I would get. And then rank those things and just say, if I had to rank them one to 35 or whatever it is, right? What's your order? And then both of y'all sort of come together and say, okay, well, um, we can't afford to do all that right now. And we're not going to put all that on a credit card. And so let's just start working down the list and let's start using our money together to work towards this list of things. And now all of a sudden making some decisions like not going out to eat or whatever, um, a certain amount becomes easier because we know we're we're trying to hit number one, two, and three on this house furnishing list. So one, I think you, you have to sit down together and actually figure out what your priorities are. The other thing I would just say, and, and more of an encouragement and a reminder is that this is especially true if you grew up in like a middle class to, you know, ish home, you have to recognize your parents worked for 10, 20, 30 years to buy the life they have. And so you, you're lucky in that you, you got born into it. Yeah. But then when you get dropped out of that at 18, 19, 25, whatever it is, now all of a sudden you're not you're not back there. And so you're pretty used to like, you know, live in a certain way and you can't afford the life your parents can most of the time. And that's the struggle is like I see a lot of people in their early 20s all of a sudden go from like living here to now I got to live here. And I spent 22 years living here and I now cannot live that way anymore. And that's a big sort of, you know, pullback and mindset shift. But you you kind of just have to embrace that and, and know that that's part of the journey and part of the enjoyment. And then to your point, um, we're, you know, not everybody's this way, but we're definitely big project people. And so like our first coffee table, we built our first TV stand, we built, um, we didn't know how to build a lot of that stuff, but yeah, we when he figured we it built out. It, we bought like those crates, you know, and like put the crates together, you know, and that, that was like super popular. <laughs> yeah. We drew them together, but we yeah. stained them. Like my point is like, we, we went DIY, like Google, YouTube, how to build a coffee table. Right. That's a good for your marriage. B, it takes up time. So now you're not outspending other money you don't have. And C, uh, it saves you a ton of money, right? And so there's a lot of ways to hit those things on that list, but you're spot on in that. that It's actually sitting down and setting some priorities and saying, you know, this is what we want to do. And then it's recognizing that you're always going to make trade-offs. And so if your friends have a brand new couch, that might be their number one on their list. And it might not be your number one on your list. If it's your number five, recognize that and be cool with the fact that you don't have a new couch. 
Yeah, like Elizabeth, what you said with it being a heart issue, um, something that I've definitely had to like call myself on is whenever I do get in a hurry, like, oh, I just want this done faster. I'm like, okay, why? I mean, yes, like I, I want our house to feel nice and whatever eventually, but why am I in such a rush for it? And it pretty much always comes down to like, I'm worried about what other people are going to think like when they see my house the way that it is. And it's like, okay, well, that that's an issue that I need to work on yeah. and that's not go spend money to fix it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, we definitely get caught up in like, what will other people think of my house? And like, I'm like type A perfectionist. Like I clean like Monica and it would be spot, my house would be spotless <laughs> if we didn't have three kids running around. And it's just like, you know what? That's the season that we're in. Our house is messy and there's dog hair and there's marker on the desk, but we're making great memories. And so it's like, yep. you know, it, it just resigning to the fact that if somebody walks in your house and they're like, you have a <laughs> marker on your desk. They're yeah, probably like, okay. not the person you want coming back in your house all the time. Right. That's right. Um, yeah. But we like, so we've been in this house for more than six years and literally in our hallway, the paint just stops because we ran <laughs> out of money to paint. Now, thankfully it's not a, a huge contrast in colors. <laughs> yeah. after, that but. excuse holds water for like a little bit, but it's been like four or five years. <laughs> we have had enough money to finish. We just have not allotted it for that. <laughs> It's just poorly lit. The, the It's an original 1960s fixture. You can hardly tell that the paint stops. That just adds character. Yeah, that's fine. It's well, you know, again, it's priorities, right? It's priorities. It's all about like, you know, what you want and what you don't. You know, we spent a lot of money on our RV and we got as cheap of truck as possible that could tow that RV. Yeah. Right. So we spent the money on the living space because that's what we valued. And then the truck we bought was a 2001 with 230,000 miles on it. Mm. And so other people would have spent a lot more on the truck. It's all about what you want. Right. And so, it, you know, y'all don't care about the dimly lit area with the two tone <laughs> matching. It's kind of close. Not that bad. You're not going to notice it. And you'd rather put your money elsewhere. And that's awesome. You've thought about it. You've talked about it and you made that decision. That's to me, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 I, and I've just, I've really resigned to the fact I'm like, look, this, this is our home. You either want to spend time with me and my family or you want to spend time in my home. So I'll keep you around if you want to spend time with me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, you guys have been so generous with your time. I had like kind of one parting question because I want our listeners to be able to kind of take what we've talked about tonight and, just kind of run with it. Um, do you guys have any, like, I know you guys always share your favorite things at the end of each episode of your podcast. And a lot of times I'm, I'm always struck by like, these guys read so much. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I don't have, like, I used to read that much, but um, do you guys have any, like either money, money related books or marriage and money books or anything that we can kind of link to. And of course, mappedoutmoney.com and all its resources, of course, but um, yeah, any, I know you guys are books? good about, putting together your resource page, but yeah, a yeah. book that would be update it very much. We need to, we've had that conversation. We're like, we need to update, update that. that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm trying to think money and marriage in particular. I don't know that we have a lot of money and money and marriage books combined. Um, I would say that this one maybe is indirectly related and is like one of the top books that I've ever read as far as like, 
like actionable and that's Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I know like a lot of people have talked about that book. Um, it, but everything that he talks about could be applied to money. Like, you know, he talks about um, setting up your environment to where it facilitates like whatever habit you're trying to to do. And it also takes the, the away, like the temptation for whatever habit you're trying not to do. So, you know, if you're trying to check your budget every day, um, and not watch as much TV, like making it to where you have to get the TV out of the closet and plug it in before you can watch it and making it where your computer automatically opens up to your budget screen or, you know, whatever, just little things like that. And I mean, he goes through a ton of, of tips like that, that can be applied to getting better with your money and even getting better at talking to your spouse about those things too. Um, so I think that was a really helpful book that we both read and got a ton out of, yeah, yeah. talked about together and then like applied a lot of things together from that book. Uh, I have three. I have oh my three. gosh. Well, so here, here's off. why. No. They don't attack the topic wholly. So what I'm going to do is give you three books with, with three very different problems, depending on who's listening. If you want a proper personal finance book that's holistic, I would start with I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. Uh, that book had a massive impact on me. He covers almost everything personal finance, at least in a cursory glance. He's also extremely funny. So it's not boring and dry. It's the funniest personal finance book you'll read. And so it's really engaging. He has an entire chapter on marriage, not marriage and money, but just relationships and money. And even if you're dating, sort of how to think about that and how to start talking about that um, and that kind of stuff. Um, the second book is Mindset by Carol Dweck. This is one that that you read early on. It was like one of the first ones I was like, uh, hey, you need to read this book. Um, that book, massive. And if you are struggling with the idea that um, you can't do better, well, I've always been bad with money or I've always, our marriage has kind of always been a struggle um, or I'm just not that kind of person. Um, you, you need to read Mindset uh, by Carol Dweck. Uh, she really goes through not only the reasons why we have to get away from a fixed mindset into a growth mindset, but also how to do it and the empirical evidence for that it can be done. Mm -hmm. um, it's a phenomenal book. The last one is uh, Mary Laura Philpott's book um, called I Miss You and I Blank, which we did a whole episode on. The reason I'm bringing this one up is because she it's this memoir. It's just short stories of memoirs about her life. And she does a really great job of inspiring you, I think, to think outside the box and allow yourself to do some of the stuff that we've been doing. She's very self-aware. And so that's also, I think, helpful. So um, if you're listening to us or, or y'all and going like, I, I just don't even see, like I would read Mary Lou Philpott's book because um, she just does a great job of really inspiring these kinds of things. And while we haven't a marriage and money book in particular, what we've done similar to what you said, Michael, at the top about take a little from Larry Burkett, a little from Dave Ramsey, a little from whoever. I would say those four books we just mentioned all have really influenced us and really helped us in our marriage and our money uh, combined. And we're talking too much, but I do want to say one thing with the Mary Laura Philpott book, because if you decide like I am going to work on my marriage and I am 
going to work on like getting on the same page with my spouse and like us talking about everything more, but also like specifically money and like trying to get better with that. I think we can all like hear those things and go, those are all objectively good things. And so you would think that nobody would give you any resistance on those, but that's not true. Like the second that you start trying to improve something, you're probably going to have at least one person in your life, whether it's like kind of a grouchy family member or a coworker that's going to have like something negative to say about it or discouraging or, oh, well, there's no point in even trying to do that. That's never going to happen. Your husband's never going to listen to you on that or whatever it is. Um, and just recognizing like Mary Laura Philpot does a great job. She talks about um, the crabs in a bucket mentality, but that how that's, that's kind of a harsh thing to say about people. And she's like, when, when I had this happen in my life, it wasn't crab. She said it was sloths on a waterbed. And I was, I was disrupting their waterbed and making it really uncomfortable for them. So if you start working on your marriage, people around you might start looking at their marriage and feeling really uncomfortable with where they're at. And instead of being like, oh, that's something I need to work on too. They're probably going to be negative towards you working on it. And so just like recognizing that and recognizing that when you meet resistance from people, it's most of the time, not a good indication that you should stop doing whatever it is that you're working on. That's just, that's just human nature. And you just recognize that and go like, okay, thanks for your opinion. And then you (laughs) move on. (laughs) It's shining a light on their insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. And as a people pleaser, like I have like really struggled with that. Like, oh, well, so-and-so said that we shouldn't do whatever. And it's like, so, you know, know, to have have this confidence. You and Michael are so similar. (laughs) I can't turn it off. And and the peacekeeper, are you, are you a peacekeeper? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That people pleaser is always a peacekeeper. Well, yeah. Just making yeah. sure it's like, man. Nick's family's like super opinionated and like they love each other by like arguing. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What's happening right now? <laughs> like, I, I like don't even, I don't even know sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. And I have to say, when we, when I listen to your episodes and then you get to the stuff you like segment, that song, whatever it is, makes me dance every single time. I'm like, I love this song. It's funny. Yeah. You guys always have good recommendations um, just for, even if it's stuff that like we're not necessarily interested in, it's like how you've gone about like, You've done the research. I think it's like been like running socks and like shoes <laughs> and like like nice dress shoes, like things that you're like, okay, if I'm gonna put money into this, why don't I invest in like I want it to be something that I actually like. Yeah. Um, and so I I always enjoy that that piece of your of your podcast. Um because it always gets right. me thinking too, like, okay, if I'm gonna put money into something, then let's do some research and it actually be worth yeah. putting the money into. Yeah. Totally. Y'all have a good memory. I'm like, Oh yeah, we did like that. Like- <laughs> <laughs> well, I, okay. So Michael is like podcast. He's got like a whole list of podcasts that meet like history and tech and all this stuff. My capacity to intake a lot of extra things aside from like, homeschooling and my children and marriage and family it's like eh, it's really small so i have like just a handful of podcasts that i like i, I intake i'm like i it's, also it's like for me the time like 
Yeah. yeah. It's my time is limited. I wish I wish I could listen to all the things or read all the books, but well, we're honored. Thank you for, for listening. <laughs> yeah, we 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 have so enjoyed this conversation. I know that we kind of like we just wanted to keep like bringing more just more of the things that you guys have have um, done in your own marriage. And because we just we love what what you guys do do and communicate on your podcast. Like I just I really feel like it's it's sparked a lot of good conversation for us mm-hmm. and and like where we want our life to be and just i feel like it really helped set us up for success because um you know we like you guys when you first started to do certain things like when i remember you guys talking about your airstream like that sort of um lifestyle got met with some pushback from different people and and it's the same same for us we weren't dreaming about a um an airstream but when we wanted to do something that went against the grain um it it was met with some like yeah but you really don't want to do that it's like but it's our marriage and we really do um and so i just i love that when that we feel empowered after listening to empowered and, and to make wise decisions. Um, and so I just, I really hope that, um, our listeners listening to you guys share your story and how you guys have brought together two different backgrounds of, of financial upbringing and how you guys can accomplish the things that you want to do traveling and having this really cool, uh, just experience. And then now buying a house and renovating and, you know, doing the things that really make you happy. Like, money can do that for you. It's, it's how you, you utilize it and get on the same page with it. And so that's really our hope for, for our listeners is to not be discouraged by it, but to be encouraged, um, to going down a road of financial success. So we so appreciate you guys. Yeah. Oh, well, thank well, you thanks. guys. It was like talking to old friends. <laughs> yeah. So we went down some rabbit holes. I know, but y'all are just fun to talk to. Yeah. So. Thanks. Thanks so much. It was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have to do this again, even if it doesn't become a podcast episode. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I listen to you guys. Zoom meet up or something. I do. I'm like, yeah, so cool. it's so fun. I just want to talk to them. <laughs> so. We feel that way about you guys too. So y'all are so kind. Thank you guys so, so much. We just, Like I said, we appreciate you guys. Y'all are amazing. Thank y'all. Anytime.